Hello everybody, welcome to Shift Church. Uh, as we gather together across geography and across time to uh, have a think about um, some of the things that God's saying to us at the moment. Uh, my name's Tim Carter, I'm vicar at All Saints Church in Wellington and St Catherine's in Eyton. Uh, and it's really great to spend some time with you today. I've got a couple of folk with us today. I've got one of our regulars, Lynn. Say hi, Lynn. Hi, Lynn. And Lynn is looking after the comment stream. If you're with us live, please do say hello to each other. Uh, say hi in the comment stream. Put any questions or comments um, or contributions that you've got in, in there. That would be great. If, of course, you're not with us uh, live, you're catching up on the podcast or on YouTube, uh, you can email me, tim at allsaints-wellington.org with any contributions you'd like us to bring in next week. Um, and the other person we've got with us tonight is Barry. Say hello, Barry. Hello from me. Hello from you. Now, Barry has been part of the Shift Church uh, gang for quite a long time and quite often comments in the comment stream. But this is your first time on screen, isn't it, Barry? It is, yes. Yeah, I promised to be gentle with you, haven't I? Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, so it's really good to welcome Barry to be part of the uh, uh, recording conversation as well as part of the comment stream conversation um, uh, a little bit later. So, yes, this evening we're continuing our theme of uh, exploring our prayer life and uh, getting close to God through the uh, ideas contained in the book. Um, intimate with the ultimate, which is, looks like this. If you want to order one, uh, you'd only get secondhand copies now, probably, uh, but uh, you can search for it uh, on all good book sites. Uh, intimate with the ultimate. And we are thinking particularly about being restless and hungry for God. And um, as in line with that and that theme, I thought we would start off with favourite food or favourite meals. So do uh, stick your ideas in the comment stream. Uh, Lynn will read out the most outlandish and or amusing, if there are any such things. Um, uh, Barry, you said you'd have no problem at all coming up with your favourite food. Yeah, it's 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 a choice between two. For uh, um, I'll do a, a main and a pudding. Your traditional um, steak and chips for um, for a main or. Um, peanut butter and mint sauce sandwiches. So um, honestly, most people look like Tim looks like now, um, <laughs> but I, you have to try it before you can, before. Well, I, I'll try peanut there. butter with most things. So PB&J, absolutely, peanut butter and honey, yes. I even stirred peanut butter into custard at the week, hot custard at the weekend, and that was really nice. There we are. Peanut butter and mint sauce might mint just sauce. be. And I want some details on the steak. So is this just steak or a particular sauce or how do you like your steak? It's a steak, Diane, with, um, has to have um, the um, onion rings, uh, mushrooms, all the, all, the, all the trimmings. All the trimmings. All right. And how do you have your steak? Um, medium rare. Ah, oh, spot on. Well done. You can stay. Okay. <laughs> Lynn's giving me a look now. So Lynn, what's your favourite meal? Well, I'm looking up and down from the comments, so you never know whether it's... <laughs> yeah, um, no, uh, my favourite meal, uh, I don't think I particularly have one. My favourite food is probably chocolate. Uh, again, anyway, I'm a desserts girl. Uh, and uh, fair trade, dark chocolate, the darker the better. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for that, really. 
One or of, a dessert made with chocolate. <laughs> one, of the, one, of, one of Liz's lovely friends who quite often joins us on Shift Church sent me some, I think it was, I can't remember if it was 80 or 95%, 85, I think it was at least 80% um, Cocoa Solids, Green and Black's Fairtrade Organic Dark Chocolate uh, a couple of weeks ago. And that, oh, so good. You don't have to have very much, just let it melt on your tongue. So well, I'm the same. I've had I bought a block from there's a fair trade stall in Shrewsbury Market at hundred percent, and it's wow. you can only eat a teeny teeny tiny bit. It's still in the fridge because I can only eat about a tiny bit a week because it makes you as the lady said on the stall, it makes your mouth dry. It's such a chocolate hit. <laughs> yeah. You can only eat a teeny teeny bit at once. Now you see, if Liz was with us, she would be she would be giving a shout out to good old Cadbury's dairy milk. But I still claim that's not actually chocolate. Oh, Sue says chocolate pudding. Oh, Sue really? Fun. <laughs> yeah, no, that is Mrs. Barry. <laughs> so after they've had their steak, Barry's chowing into his. Pizza. Oh dear, oh dear, there's going to be oh, war. Liz Carter says milk chocolate. Cadbury's rules. <laughs> there you go and for me it is comfort food from my childhood uh, uh, beans and rice kidney beans and tomato sauce on rice because growing up going to say Africa, like beans in rice pudding for a minute <laughs> no, no growing up in east africa that was that was kind of staple it's my it's my kind of comfort food now so a big pile of rice with uh, tomatoes and beans and kidney beans or chickpeas anything like that that's where I would go to. That's my comfort food. When I'm out, I might have a steak, but my kind of home comfort food, that's where I go. And Becky says, my favourite is egg, chips and peas, and she loves eating mess. Oh, yes. I do like eating mess, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I do like eating mess. I had a really interesting variation on me eating mess at a, at a restaurant one, which was made with caramelized pineapple instead of the strawberries or raspberries and with coconut and that was really nice you seem to have gone on mute lynn me yeah oh no no better now that's okay right anyway so if you haven't eaten when you're listening to this or you haven't <laughs> eaten recently you're probably feeling really hungry now and actually even i having only just had well, sick <laughs> Even I, even I, only just having only just had my tea, um, I'm thinking, oh yeah, nice state, that'd be nice. So, we're going to just park that for a minute. We are going to be thinking a little bit more about that later. Nick's going to share some thoughts with us on our Bible readings. Um, before we dive into that, we're going to take a breath, a pause, put aside all those thoughts, and just focus on God's presence with us. Um, whether wherever and whenever we happen to be uh, listening to this or watching it god's with us and we're going to have a psalm just to help us focus down a little bit so let me share my screen and here we go so uh, barry i should have warned you about this beforehand if you could both mute video and audio that would be great
heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are much more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So having heard a psalm talking about how important God's word is to our life and the great things it can do in our life, we're going to hear from it a bit more. And uh, Barry is going to read for us, I think from Daniel 1, is that right, Barry? That's it. Oh, I've got to try and find Daniel first. Yeah, I hadn't realised Daniel was so far forward. Um. <laughs> He's the major prophets. Yes, there you go. Go on then. So it's Daniel 1, starting to read at uh, verse uh, 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favour and, and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of the Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why, sh why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would have my head because of you. 
Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. I bet Daniel and his mates were well popular with the others. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Lynn, what are you reading for us? You're reading from John for us, are you? Reading from John. John 6. Yeah. Where is it now? Is it 25? It is 25 to 40, isn't it? Yeah. 25 to 40. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for, something, for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father, has placed the hasty seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign will you then give, that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said, from now on, give us this bread. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All the Father gives you, all the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Great stuff. Thank you. So, a lot there about eating and food and bread and things. And in a minute, we're going to have... Uh, a video. Uh, Nick's going to share some of his thoughts on these passages with us. Uh, we'd love to hear your comments. We're going to have a bit of a conversation about it afterwards uh, and we'd love to be able to include your contributions. So do put questions, comments, observations in the comment stream if you're with us live and if you're uh, listening another time you can email me and we'll pick those up next week. 
So, um, yeah, I think over to Nick, really. And uh, we'll be making notes as well. We'll have a good chat afterwards. So here we go. Yeah, let's pray. Um, Lord, just thank you for your word. And thank you for the way that you speak to us through your word. Lord, will you just give us the ears to hear what you want to say to us today. And hearts soft enough to be transformed by your word. Amen. So, do you ever get hangry? <coughs> you know, when you're hungry and irritable and just no fun to be around. And everyone around you just drives you crazy, just hangry. I get that way from time to time. Let me tell you, my wife gets that way too. <laughs> you always see just the nice, sweet version of Sydney, but there are times when she hasn't eaten and the kids are being a bit obnoxious and I'm, you know, being typical me, just the most patient, supportive, caring <laughs> husband. And she's just not so sweet and nice anymore. You may notice she's not here this morning. <laughs> But she's probably watching online, so now I've just made her the normal angry, probably. <laughs> but hanger gets to all of us. Uh, we've all experienced hanger. It's our mind and our body's way of telling us that we need to eat. That our bodies get restless until it gets what it needs. It's just food. And that's what we'll be thinking about this morning. Those restless feelings that stir within us when we know something's not right. And we'll never be satisfied or content or at rest until it's resolved. So in the book, uh, The Intimate with the Ultimate, that's what we're going through here, the writer spent quite a lot of time looking at Daniel in the chapter on restlessness. Because Daniel was uh, with a part of Israel that were forced to live under King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And they were exiles. And so for quite some time, Israel kept refusing to obey God. They were mistreating their own people. And in some cases, were even bringing in idols of other gods and worshiping them instead. So God was feeling a bit restless himself. Because things aren't right with his chosen people. And so God allows opposing nations to overtake uh, Jerusalem. And he sent them, his people, into exile. So while in exile, the people of Israel were being trained in the way of Babylon. I'll just read just a bit from this book here of what's happening. He said, the aim is assimilation. Daniel and his friends are amongst the best educated young people in Jerusalem, and the plan is that they should be re-educated in the culture and ways of Babylon. They will learn new languages, the names of their new gods, and be taught to see the world from the perspective of their conquerors. And after a period of intense learning, they will emerge as committed citizens of Babylon, acknowledging the superiority of Nebuchadnezzar's world over their primitive Hebrew culture. This, at least, is the theory, and in return for cooperating with this reorientation, the exiles will be housed and fed and ultimately offered employment. So ultimately, if they want to survive while being in exile, they'll have to graduate from the school of Nebuchadnezzar. So if you don't toe the line, uh, well then life's going to be pretty rough. You're going to be poor, 
despised. You're going to be an outcast. No one's going to care for you. But Daniel and a few others weren't about to give up on their identity of being God's chosen people for some comfort, some stability, or security in Babylon. So he's still holding on to the belief that God has greater authority than Nebuchadnezzar. And when the king offers food to the exiles, Daniel and the three others refuse the king's offer. And they just choose to eat vegetables instead. Can you imagine? I'd be lucky to make it past lunchtime. (laughs) I'd be getting hangry really quick. But Daniel probably got hangry really quick too. But he chose to. And another area of this book that hits on the chapter in restlessness is the discipline of fasting. So fasting is all about prayer. It's not about giving up on something that we like for a period of time, for a, I don't know, whatever reason, just to try to impress God with how sacrificial we can be. Fasting is a tool to make us purposely restless. And when we feel this restlessness, we turn to God rather than to the thing that we're craving. The Kellys in the book put it like this. Daniel sees and embraces the connection between spiritual longing and physical hunger. And by letting this hunger for food stimulate his hunger for God, Daniel establishes prayer at the very center of his life. To put the same observation in the form of a question... If you thought of God as often as you think of food, how might your prayer life change? So the uncomfortableness that fasting produces works as a trigger to remind us to pray. So every time your tummy growls, you decide, I'm going to choose God over what I'm craving. And really, I'm not encouraging you just to go out and try a full-blown fast from food for a prolonged period of time. That could actually be kind of dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. But you can abstain from certain types of food, and, and, and it's going to have or a meal, and it's going to have a similar effect. Whatever makes you feel uncomfortable. Skipping a meal for a period of time. It's about physically training ourselves by setting up these physical reminders that we need to pray because we are living in a broken world. And we won't rest until things are made right. So fasting is all about prayer. It has nothing to do with sacrifice. If anything, it's the complete opposite. It's recognizing that we are helpless and have nothing to offer this broken world apart from God. I'll give you an example. So it was just over this past week, my son Elwin, um, he's had a couple nights where he was just having these bad dreams, and, uh, and even in the day, he was scared to go into a room by himself. And, and this was pretty unusual. And he would just say every so often how he just felt scared. So we started to put the pieces together why he was feeling like this. And really, it's because of what's happening in the Ukraine. As, uh, we have some friends uh, with one of the families from the kids' school where the mom is from Ukraine. And... Um, She has family. It's still there. And they've been over to our house, and we've walked with them on school runs and uh, since the war has started. And, of course, that's what we talk about, the war and her family. And sometimes it's hard to see, but the kids are listening in on what the grown-ups are talking about. 
And Elwin is scared for his friends, Valerie and Alex's family. He's just a five-year-old boy. And he's trying to make sense of what's going on. And this war feels really close to him because it's affecting his friends. And this was just this past Thursday uh, when we figured out what was, uh, why he was feeling scared. And I believe this is one of those Holy Spirit moments where he gives us some wisdom on how to handle a situation like this. So we started to encourage Elwin that every time he felt scared, for whatever reason, to just pray that God will protect uh, Valerie and Alex's family. And he had a good night's sleep that night. And the first thing he told me on Friday was that he prayed. But what praying did was it empowered him to do something to help in this awful, just confusing and scary situation. This is kind of beautiful and it's true. But it's just like when the kids hear us when we don't actually think that they're listening, um, God hears us when we pray. And we all feel this tension and this restlessness with how things are. And I don't know about you, but I just feel exhausted. I mean, I have three kids, so that's partly to blame. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, we're just coming out of this pandemic, if we're coming out of it, who knows. And now just feeling all this deep concern about the war. And, I mean, we still have things like climate change. You know, Black Lives Matter is still an issue. I mean, remember the Me Too movement? I mean, that's still a thing. I mean, those things and like a thousand other issues are still there that we, we have so much to answer for and to try to make sense of. I mean, just for centuries, the world has been trained in the school of, free, of greed and consumerism, and it's just been ravaged by sin. So we know that things aren't right. It's like all of creation is just hangry. It is hungry and in need of what? Well, we have within us a hunger for eternity. A hunger for justice and for peace. We'll never be at rest until we are home. Our true home. Where sin and death and evil can never reside. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And this is the first of several I am statements that Jesus makes in John's gospel. He'll later go on to say, I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. All of these I am statements are very exclusive claims that he is the only one way to our true home. God said in Ezekiel, my dwelling place shall be with them. I will be their God. They will be my people. God makes that same promise in Exodus, in Revelation, in Leviticus, in Jeremiah, Zechariah, Hosea, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Romans, 1 John, Hebrews, and on and on and on. This is what God longs for, true home. This restlessness that we feel is God's restlessness. He's longing to be at home with us too. My dwelling place will be with them. And Jesus came so that creator and creation can finally be at home. 
So in the same spirit of fasting, when our tummies growl, it reminds us to pray. Well, the world around us should be a reminder that we need to pray and pray often. But there's something so reassuring in just knowing that our longing for true home is also what God longs for. Jesus said in uh, verse 40 of this morning's reading, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Believing in Jesus to make this home a reality is, is, is all we have to offer. Because sometimes the problem seems so big that we don't even know what to pray or how to pray. Sometimes we just feel so sad, so overwhelmed, that words can just never describe our longing. And that's okay. So I'm just going to close by reading uh, a passage from Romans 8. And just hope that it comforts and encourages you, if you're in one of those places right now that you just don't even know how to pray. It says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what they see? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Amen. Hmm. So there is a whole lot there to digest. Duh, see what I did there? <laughs> um, so we're going to have a bit of a chat about it. Um, but if you've got questions either or comments either on what Nick said or on the Bible readings that Nick didn't bring out, then please do put it in the comments stream. I'll continue the conversation there and Lynn will pick out the highlights. So... Yeah, I wonder, what did you guys make of that? Do you have anything particular that caught your attention? Um, what about you, Barry? Um, the one thing that um, leapt out um, from the Daniel reading, which I, I may have missed, in, you know, reading it in the past or didn't remember, is that God actually had prepared the way for Daniel in terms of making the official look on them favorably. Yeah. 
uh, and allowing his request to be tested um, without actually, you know, kind of either saying no or saying, oh, well, I'll have to ask the king. Um, so so in, in that, giving the official wisdom as well as, 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 well as looking favourably on them. Um, and then I don't know, I don't know why um, it uh, it came up for me, but the I was reminded of the prodigal son, mm. um, and um, the way the father kind of longed for the son to come back, and the son comes to his his senses. He gets restless, as you would eating pig's food, and um, perhaps it would, that was the link, the food, but. Um, and he comes, he comes home and the father just has been longing for him and runs to him. Um, and the fact that, you know, having come to the father, we, um, you know, we've been saved in that way, but we haven't seen the fi our final home with, um, with God yet. And God still longs for that, mo for that moment. Yeah. Um, and sometimes when I read the prodigal son, it's that's the end of the story. Son comes home, Bob, Bob's your uncle, and we're all in that position. And yet there's a little bit longer to wait. <laughs> and still more to come. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's only just a tweak for me, but I know that um, one of Nick's favourite things from the New Testament is the idea that when um, Jesus sends the disciples out on the mission trip, they're to look for the people of peace in the places they go who will welcome them and be hospitable to them and it seems to me that the official in in the court is was almost a person of peace for Daniel and his friends because it was somebody who welcomed them listened to them and took notice of what they said and acted on it and was that was that bridge into the culture um and was actually weirdly although the food was worse than what everybody else was getting was showing a hospitality to Daniel and his friends yeah 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 yeah, yeah, good stuff. What about you, Lynn? Anything particularly grabs your attention? Yeah, probably the Daniel one. Um, same with um, Thames Barry. Um, being a student of history, I think it struck me. It was, it was very much a cultural clash at first because the the Israelites had come from an agrarian economy, an agrarian society, where. Um, you know, there were nomads and, and and they were used to eating simple food. And all of a sudden, they you know, they've been, they, this uh, person's come along and decided to pick out these uh, young men and boost them up and send them to the royal palace, mm. where, again, they get their choice food. And, of course, it will have been meats and bread and all kind of things they they hadn't weren't used to at all. Mm. Um and probably something that was, uh, you know, prescribed by the, um, you know, and not allowed under Jewish law. And yes. they said, no, no, we're not going to eat that. We're going to, we're going to eat what we had before. So, yeah. I mean, at first, when the, the region's given that, you think, oh, well, this is not going to be about veganism. <laughs> but, you know, people now are vegan through choice. Way back when, they weren't vegans through choice they ate vegetables and simple 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 lifestyle and a simple diet because that was all there was and meat wasn't so 
it wasn't reared intensively so you know it was little and often you didn't it, you had it for a feast maybe but but not sort of every day no and, and I think so, probably the thinking is um is that um the meat would probably have been offered as part of the sacrifices in the babylonian temple so even if it was wow. wasn't pork or something obviously they couldn't eat they wouldn't have known that it hadn't been dedicated to dagon or whatever oh yeah that's prob that's true that's true i never thought of that one mm. yeah but so anyway they it's a sort of a clash between cultures mm. uh, like nick was saying and from sort of then on we've been sort of fed this thing the sort of um consumption and greed you know those who have power will hold on to it and will those who have the food will hold on to it and not want to give it to um to anybody and then come along comes jesus and it's like um you know share what you have give your coat to the person that needs it open your home to the stranger help like the good samaritan help those who need it and he's sort of going completely against what the the laws of, of the Sadducees and Pharisees were saying mm. and you could see his frustration in the John reading because he's sort of saying things to them and they're saying things but, but how do we do this and but but he loses his temper I think in the end and says Look, <laughs> I tell you the truth <laughs> if Jesus ever lost his temper that, that's well yeah you, you can see his frustration in that sort of conversation you know he said they asked he said they asked <laughs> yeah you think were they being a bit thick? Yeah. Yeah. We do occasionally get that frustration come through in John. I, I think the thought, the, the, the sentence that really struck me on Sunday morning, which has stayed with me, is what if we thought about God as often as we thought about food? And, <laughs> and um, that really struck me because I have had, had, had the practice of fasting um, for a long time. Um, but somehow in my head, it has got a bit disconnected from prayer, to be honest. Um, and that idea that actually you don't even have to be fasting to help for your, for your thoughts about food to help you think about God. So I don't know how it works in your house, but quite often in our house, about five o'clock, the conversation will be started. So what are we having for tea then? <laughs> and then there'll be a little, well, what did we have last night? what do you want well who's in and what time are we going to eat and and then there'll be a whole planning thing and then there'll be the preparation of the meal and then the eating um and then there's the planning the shopping trip or the doing the online shop um i don't know, I don't know about you but I th we think as a family we spend quite a lot of time thinking about food and spend a lot more time talking about food than we do praying together to be honest that's a bit of a challenge for me what would it be like if we Thought about God as often as we thought about food. I don't know if that resonates with you at all, or is it just us? Culture as well, because I've been reading about like fair trade farmers in the past couple of weeks, and we sort of we've got these problems. <laughs> you know, can we get a, a supermarket shop? No, there will be things on the supermarket shelves, and yet fair trade's helping farmers who are praying that. Um, it rains and floods will not wipe out their entire crop because that's all they have. Mm. That's all they have. Um, and you think when food 
is that visceral? Is that sort of, you're living on the edge? And we're such a comfortable buffer, you know. We think we're hard done by if we go to the Tesco and there's no blue rolls on the shelves. Yeah, we do. I mean, are we quite literally going to have fast from oil? Yeah, we might. There's something to throw in the, in, the, in the mix, you know. Yeah, yeah. Things may get tough because this this war is going to have a knock-on effect. Yeah. We have to... Barry wants to say something, and I'm then just to say that for us, comment stream, Lynn. Yeah, um, for us, um, food has become entertainment as much as a um, a, a life need. I mean, it seems like ten percent of the programming on TV are, uh, is uh, food programs. Mm. Yeah. So what it would be on a national level, what it would be like if um, the Songs of Praise appeared as often as Jamie Oliver. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or Nigella. Or we bought as many How to Pray books as we have. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting thing. I wonder if you were to count up your recipe books. And this isn't for guilt tripping, but just, just as a kind of thought exercise. Mm. Um, Recipe books versus books on things to do with God. Wonder. Sorry, Lynn, what have we got on the comments stream? Well, Becky says she'd be doing a lot of praying because she thinks of food a lot. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that, that is good. And it is one of those ways in which we don't... Well, sometimes I think in the past I only thought, oh, well, the only thing to do with prayer and food is fasting. But that's not true. Um, yeah. Anything else there, Lynn? Um, not, uh, not, about, not at the moment. There's prayer requests. But, uh, okay. I'll bring them up a bit later. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's strange how um, this, this hunger, this re restlessness um, for God, be it, be it born out of what's in my life isn't isn't doing it it's not providing me with the sort of satisfaction that i want or whether it be because people are scared or confused or whatever like uh, sort of like nick's uh, lad um they're necessary and they drive people towards prayer with or for us they often drive us towards prayer um and for the person who has that, we used to talk about the void, they have a void in their life. Um, you know, I, I wonder whether they have to go through that, trying to answer it time and time again in, in, in a worldly way before they get to the point where they think, well, you know, these Christians <laughs> might have the answer. Um, or if there's a if there's a better way than keep making the same mistake again and again before you get to a realization that God really will satisfy those mm. those those things. Um, yeah, I suspect yeah. that's personality and circumstance. Some people mm. some people get things quicker than others, and that's just yeah. yeah and the the other thing that struck me was the restlessness. Um, that drives you 
towards God. When you get in, I, I read a book by um, Joyce Huggett mm-hmm. um, on um, meditative prayer, yeah. and in in preparation and whilst trying to pray, one of the problems was restlessness. <laughs> Uh, you know, I know we've been, uh, as many of us have been driven to a shorter t- um, span of attention, and she would have to put that restlessness aside because this was the place where she would meet God in prayer. So, um, yeah. There's almost a, there's, there's, is there almost a difference between the restlessness, dissatisfaction, hunger, which drives us towards God, and then a restlessness which can stop us experiencing god's presence mm. yeah yeah so there's good restlessness and bad restlessness i think so yeah <laughs> interesting yeah um was well, is, is it august the quote of augustine saying something like our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good conversation. Do keep any comments or things this conversation going on in the comment stream if you're with us live. Um, as we continue to reflect on these ideas, we're going to have uh, some music, uh, some worship song, and um, yeah, just give us an opportunity to lead into prayer uh, around these things. So I've got to do some. Uh, uh, magic because we've had three videos tonight and that means that I have to do extra things in between so just bear with me just a moment and then we will be there there we go right I'll share my screen we'll just have a bit of time to chill together in God's presence
going to take some time to pray now. Uh, if you're with us live on the stream, do free, feel free to put things in the comment stream and then I'll and pray them on, the, on, on screen for us. If you're catching up later and things you'd like us to pray for, do put them in the Facebook group or um, email me and we'll pray for you. So we're going to use uh, the pattern we often use of using the pray idea, we're going to pause, rejoice, ask and yield. So first we take a moment to pause, to breathe, perhaps to be aware of the hungers and the restlessness which brings us to God, and the busy things of our mind which we need to quiet, or allow to quiet, so that we can be at rest in God's presence. So we pause. And then we rejoice. We praise God. We thank God. Our Father, I thank you for your provision for us for the food that you have given to us, for the joy we can have in that and in sharing the meals with friends and family. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I praise you that you Send people ahead of us, just as you sent that official and placed them in that pl in in that court to support Daniel and his friends in the most unexpected place. You put people in unexpected places to hear us, to encourage us, to respond to what we say. Thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Um driven to remember a quote, I can't remember where it's from. Um, for the know, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good, not for evil. Um, and that's one that's spoken to me a lot. And we thank you, Lord, that plans you have for us are good. And we can trust you, we can put our trust in you. Um, We'd like to pray for Sue, who's got a hospital appointment, and pray for 
others among us who are not well. Liz, Becky, Ali. Liz would like prayer that um, she'd be well enough to go away. And for Charlotte, we pray for Charlotte. She wants to be well enough to go away too. We pray for all of those who are not well and were in hospital who are, or who are just feeling under the weather or who are struggling with chronic illness because chronic illness does not go away and it is sometimes dispiriting to be battling the same things over and over again. Pray for James who isn't very well either. Thank you, Lord, that you um, give us this hungry, this hunger for you. And um, we know that we will be satisfied when we find our rest in you. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we continue to ask God to bring before God the things that are on our hearts. Father, I, I pray for the situation in Ukraine. Oh, it's such a big thing, Lord. We hardly know how to pray, but if Elwin at five can pray for his friends to be safe, we pray for safety for um, the people of Ukraine. We pray for peace there. We pray for um, folk in Wellington whose families are touched by Ukrainians and Polish community and the Russians who live here. Just with their family caught up and being in such a long way away and not knowing, not being able to do anything about it, we pray your, your comfort and your peace around them. And we pray for peace with justice for Ukraine, Lord. Amen. We ask for ourselves that we would have a healthy relationship with food, not ruled by it in any way, but able to enjoy it. We pray that as we do, our thoughts would turn to the one who gives it to us, you, our provider and sustainer. We pray that you would make us hungry for more of you, restless for more of you, that we would be driven to draw closer to you, Lord. Amen. And so we yield. We yield our appetites and desires and hungers to God. We give them to him. We choose to say, give us today our daily bread and trust. And we choose to say, your will be done as we yield to you, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.
Hmm. Right. Well, that's good evening. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you to everybody who's taken part uh, live, contributed on the comments stream. Um, sounds like there's a bit of a roll call of us being a bit poorly at the moment, which is rubbish. I'm sorry to hear that. We continue to pray for each other. And um, next, oh, I meant to say at the beginning, apologies for last week. Last week we were meant to be live streaming our Ash Wednesday service for the Shift Church contingent and podcast it and all kinds of things. And the technology left us down completely. We got half the service, so the half the service is on our Facebook feed, but um, then it gave up and the recording didn't work, so it didn't end up on YouTube or podcast. So if you missed a week last week and you expect to be able to pick it up, on YouTube or podcast, I'm really sorry about that. This one seems to work fine, so this will get to you. Though if it didn't, you wouldn't know because you wouldn't be here. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next week, I'm on annual leave, so Liz is in charge. So, um, and I'll be thinking about, um, I don't know, something else. I've written the sermon for it this morning for Sunday. Can't remember. Um. Rest, isn't it? No, rich. The richness. Oh, rich. Richness rich. of prayer and creativity and things. It was an R. <laughs> so bring, yeah, bring your doodle pads along. We want to see photos in the comments stream next week of your prayer doodles. So bring your colouring in Bibles and your prayer doodle paddy things, those of you got those kind of things. We're going to be thinking about that next week. So, oh, we're nearly at the end. An hour flies by when you're having fun, doesn't it, Barry? It certainly does. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you for your company this evening. It's been great to have you with us. Um, and to you, Lynn, one of our stalwarts. So say a good night, Barry. Good night, Barry. Excellent. Say good night, Lynn. Good night, Lynn. A good night, everybody. See you next week. God bless. <laughs>